What's up, everyone? I'm Doug Guide. Welcome to Pat's Chat. Joined here by Michael Hurley. Mike, they say if you're not first, you're last. We were definitely not the first podcast to discuss the Bill O'Brien hiring, and we might as well be the last then, right? <laughs> I mean, we have discussed it for about nine podcasts. We were actually so first. Yeah, We probably could have been if you do the math out. Yeah. But I have a question for you. We're not a Matt Patricia podcast. We're not a Bill O'Brien podcast. Are we a Joe Judge podcast? Do you think there's a market? We, <laughs> we, we might be a Joe Judge podcast. Uh, I think we'll be able to talk about Joe Judge quite a bit on this podcast. I do Why? think that we should start up with Bill O'Brien. Well, there's just been a, there was a, a good story written about oh, um, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia by Andrew Callahan and Karen Garigian. A lot of things I think people could have possibly assumed, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could start on Joe Judge, but I do think that, you know, the, the, the listeners have been waiting. They, they That's already true. heard all of our thoughts on Bill O'Brien. That's true. We, That's we true. need to repeat them now to them again. Well, how about this? How about this? Cause if we're going to start talking Bill O'Brien, um, I learned something about Bill O'Brien today. Mm -hmm. One is that he was an 18 year old high school coach, uh, which I never knew. So you want to talk about born to be a coach. He, he oh. said he got into Brown, like on the legacy, basically his parents went there and his brothers went there. I think the indication he was saying he wasn't so smart. Yep. So the condition was he couldn't go to college until the spring semester for mm. whatever reason. So Deferred. he had nothing to do. Yeah. So freshman year, fall semester, he had nothing to do. So he coached St. John's prep. Uh, assistant coach, which I think is kind of interesting. You know, it's good time to start coaching. And then this other thing, I, this was from an athletic story. I probably should have got the author's name to give credit. I will do that after. Um, but he ripped his arm open during a game, refused to get stitches. And then after the game, told the bus driver to rev the engine so he could stick his open wound against the exhaust pipe and burn the cut shut. Which, I mean, that's who the Patriots are getting. They're getting a dude uh, to coach. Yep. Uh, maybe a bit of a psycho, but you, you got to respect a, a guy who's willing to not get stitches, not miss the game, and just say, you know what, I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing a an exhaust pipe it shut. Exactly. Aaron Reese was the writer of that athletic story, so credit to uh, Aaron Reese for uncovering that great story. I, I've heard of stitches to close wounds. I've heard of, mm -hmm. I guess, like butterfly stitches. I've yeah. heard of super glue. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard no. of a school bus exhaust to close yeah. a wound. Well, so if you go to like the Harvard, cool. yeah, like the Harvard School of Medicine, they'll say like, "Oh, you're going to want to numb it, clean it, uh, put the stitches in." If you go to the School of Hard Knocks mm. or Brown, you, or Brown, well, before Brown, this was at St. John's <laughs> Prep, um, which I don't think they taught it there. It was at the School of Hard Knocks. He learned, yeah. "Oh, that exhaust pipe is going to heat up real good." And you know, what's the worst that could happen? Did uh, Bill O'Brien play football at Brown? I'm assuming he did, right? Yes. Defensive end, linebacker. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I knew that. Yeah, there's some pictures of him. Not many. There's like four pictures because it was 1990. But there's pictures, pictures don't really exist in the 90s, I've found. Of a lot uh, of things. I was true. trying to look at pictures of something. Oh, I'll get into this later. But uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been watching some, uh, some WWE Network when I've been writing during the day. Mm -hmm. And Brian Pillman, uh, former... WCW and WWF wrestler was the Mac player of the year in 1983. So I was like, I'd love to see a video of no. Brian Pillman playing defensive tackle yeah. for Miami of Ohio in 1983. And guess what? That yeah. clip is not on the internet. Unfortunately, no one filmed the Mac until about 2003. <laughs> they were like, Oh, yeah. 
There's football out yeah, there. Let's, let's put this on Wednesday it. nights. Yeah. Rothfellis burger. Okay, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. uh yeah, it, not much footage, but Bill O'Brien. Uh so I, I think we knew this was coming for a while, but the official mm-hmm. word was was good. And I think actually the news of it was that he's also quarterback's coach, which is not necessarily surprising, but is nevertheless important. Uh, because A, it means Joe Judge. We're not a Joe Judge podcast, but A, it means Joe Judge is not the quarterback's coach anymore because he was very bad at it and nobody mm-hmm. liked him, according to the report. Not a Joe <laughs> Judge podcast. Um, but I think that's significant because you took the first major step toward fixing this mess. And yeah. it's not a, a cure-all. He's not a savior. He's not football Jesus. He is merely a man who soldered his skin back together after an injury and is good at his job. So I, I think they did what they could have done thus far in the offseason. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will just say that this is not a Joe Judge podcast, but you might no. be a Joe Judge podcaster. Have you considered that? Explain to me. So, so if not for you, if it was just Mike in his basement, uh, <laughs> it would be a Joe Judge podcast and I would be a Joe I, Judge podcaster? I think so. Uh, you just suddenly sounded like you were underwater. So hopefully that fixes things um maybe joe judge is controlling your microphone (laughs) uh you sounded better on that laugh uh but yeah i agree with you on bill o'brien um competent coach he's been an offensive coordinator since i believe 2002 uh which was maybe maybe 2002 so like 21 years ago i think he was first an offensive coordinator at georgia tech uh and according to my math that is 20 years earlier then Matt Patricia became a pseudo offensive coordinator. So yes. a lot more experience well, than Matt Patricia Well, no, let's has. be fair, Doug. There were some years in there uh, in New England. 07, he was an offensive assistant. 08, he was receivers. So subtract a couple. But okay. in terms of timeline, which you're right. doing. Yeah, I wasn't uh, saying yes. he's been an offensive coordinator yeah, yeah, yeah. for 20 years, like for 20 consecutive years. But sure. he first held that post 21 years ago now. Right. Uh, which is a good thing. Um I've seen some gripes about Bill O'Brien, um, but one thing that I found interesting that I was I was looking through all the Houston Texans stats from 2014 up until the first four games of 2020 when Bill O'Brien got fired. I actually forgot he got fired four games into the 2020 season. That is so early in a season. <sighs> there was a lot going on down there. I don't there know was. if you're uh, familiar. There was yes. a fella, not a Jack Easterby podcast. He was messing <laughs> things up. Uh, there was some issues there. Remember the hard yeah. knocks? The hard knocks, there was clearly dysfunction. Right. It was it was not a, it's not a good organization. I don't know what to tell you. No. But Bill Bryan was there for six and a quarter seasons, essentially. And DeAndre Hopkins had like eighty two hundred yards during those six and a quarter seasons. And the next highest receiving yardage by any player on the team was Will Fuller with like a little bit over two thousand. And then there was like one guy with a thousand yards and then it was like CJ Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin and all these other guys. One point here is that not a lot of great receiving options in Houston beyond DeAndre Hopkins, one year of Andre Johnson and like two or three years of Will Fuller. The other thing too, though, is just that Bill O'Brien clearly really likes to feed a top wide receiver or like if he has a top wide receiver, he really likes to feed him. We saw that in 2009 with Randy Moss and Wes Welker. We saw that in 2011 with Rob Gronkowski and Wes Welker. 2010 was basically just like a hodgepodge of guys, but I'm just kind of curious to see how this all works because the Patriots don't have that guy up until this point. And maybe getting Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach 
would influence them to bring in that type of player. Um, I think they should, but I don't know if it's really going to be a legitimate possibility. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned, well, I would add to quarterback situation wasn't always ideal down there in Houston. There was some there was no, some, no, some no, questionable no. players there. So Brandon um, Whedon, Brock Osweiler. They're all good fellas. Um, but I would say I'm interested <laughs> you know to see. One of them wasn't. I just have to say, one of them wasn't. One of them, not, not a nice fella at all. Yeah. Um, no, not a Deshaun Watson podcast, though. Um, <laughs> I would say this. I'm curious because last year, and I put this in the, in the pre-show notes, so this won't catch you off guard. Um, they went away from the fullback. After having a fullback yeah. for the previous six or seven years, whenever James Devlin really elevated, uh, and they went from Devlin to Jakob Johnson, and there was a good stretch there. And then last year, no fullback and really no blocking tight ends. It was two receiving tight ends, and that was the full depth chart. So I want to know what kind of offense he's going to build and what kind of personnel they're going to have. Are they going to bring back in a, a fullback and a blocking tight end and be a running team that can mm-hmm. pass? Are they going to keep it light and be a spread offense that maybe doesn't run the ball much at all? I, I, I'm curious how that shakes out because they made some major roster decisions mm-hmm. to build around the offense that they wanted, which – all right with the tight ends because you're talking they haven't had tight ends since Rob Gronkowski left after 2018. Mm-hmm. But you made a major philosophical change last year for a year that was being operated by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I don't know what the thought process was to go to that, and will they go back? I the probably I not say, based on coming out of college. They're not using fullbacks like right style. I will say that Jonu Smith is more of a blocking tight end than Hunter Henry is. He's he's on the smaller side, but he was like a decent blocker in um, in Tennessee, and he certainly was used more as more of a blocker than Hunter Henry. Like Hunter Henry is like basically like the flex tight end. Uh, Jonu Smith's kind of been the inline tight end. He wasn't he hasn't been great at blocking, but I think that you can at least use him as a tight end. My big take on this, and uh, well, I just mean just to finish that like. I'm talking right. like a six foot eight, True. like just Fair. 280 pound guy right. that catches three balls a year. Right. Yeah. They don't have Matt Langle or like. Yeah. Uh, um, well, they had Sokol this year, whoever that might be. Right. I'm trying to think of the, the great block. Like even like who man was more of a blocking tight end. Matt Mulligan. Matt Mulligan. Um, Maine. Pride of Maine right there. Who was the Alabama tackle that Michael Williams, Michael Williams they had for a few years. But, okay. <coughs> sorry, I'm dying here. Um, oh, my, my one take on tight ends. And if you already heard me talk about this on off the pike, the ringer Brian Barrett podcast, I apologize, but I essentially talked myself into the Patriots just like cutting Hunter Henry this off season because uh, and, and that stinks to do because Hunter Henry is better in this offense than John Smith is. But Patriots made a very poor decision and decided to restructure the contract of Johnny Smith that makes him essentially uncuttable this offseason. Hmm. I don't think that you can really spend $32.75 million on Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith this upcoming season. Like that's oh that's that's a bad use of cap space to use it on those two players. And it would stink to have to cut Hunter Henry or trade Hunter Henry to free up $10 million of that, I think it is. Ten and a half. Ten, Ten and, and a half million dollars it would, it would of that. bring five, $5 million of dead money per over the cap. Right. 
Yeah, I was just making sure that it was the same on a trade as on a cut in a what? It would free up ten and a half million dollars. So then you'd only be spending like twenty one million dollars on. But Johnny you Smith. still need tight ends. I know, but like I think that if you if you want to sign that blocking tight end, if you like the one that you're so passionate about, or a full or whoever it would be, like that guy can be found for a million dollars basically, you yeah. know, or like $2 million. Yeah. Like you don't need to spend, if you're not going to use the two tight ends, then you, you have to get rid of one of them. You can't be spending $32.75 million to be an 11 personnel 75% of the time. It makes no financial sense. And you've reached the point now where these guys are making so much money on the cap that you need to do something about it. And you have eliminated the option of getting rid of Johnny Smith. So yeah. it sucks. Hunter Henry is the better player. He's the better receiver. He's been better in this offense. But I think you've almost forced yourself into cutting him or trading him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you cut, this is per over the cap. If you cut John o. Smith, it's $19 million in dead dead money. Uh, and if you trade him, it's 12.8. So, yeah, you're right. Can't happen. I, I don't know that you, I mean, they just don't have tight ends. I know that we're, we're probably spending too much time on tight ends. But if you <laughs> cut one, and need to bring in two bad ones, or you know, you know what I mean by bad ones, right, not yeah. pass catchers. Not, I don't want to say like what is Hunter Henry like, just sub Pro Bowl level type player. You know, when right. when ESPN yeah. did their surveys last year, he was the only Patriot that showed up on the top ten list of any position. So, yeah. a good player, um, yeah. ah, it's it's a tough. You're, you're basically ripping that position almost down to the studs. Uh, and again, that, that's why I think there's a lot more work to do than just O'Brien. And it yeah. starts with personnel. Uh, how much say does, I'm not going to say say because Bill Belichick has the say, but how mm-hmm. much input does he have in designing and building this offense the way that he believes is possible? I would imagine it's pretty strong given his history, his brief history in personnel decisions, but as head coach. I, I would also say to this point on tight ends, and this, this works into wide receivers and everything like that. I've made this point too many times at this point, but like, I also think that you need to start eliminating some targets from this offense because there's too many. And, and if it is going to be an offense that runs through like one or two players, which is typically the case for Bill O'Brien, then like that's another situation where you don't need four wide receivers yeah. and two tight ends and two running backs and all these different things that like are going to be eating up targets because there's a chance that one of these tight ends is going to wind up with like 10 targets all season. And, and like, I don't know. I, it's, it's possible. I think that based on what Bill O'Brien did in 2010, 2011, it's possible that you could have this return to form with a two tight end system and everything like that. But I, I just, I, I'm not convinced that these are the two guys that are going to do it. You know, like, it's just like, we haven't seen it for two years. I'm not sure if Bill O'Brien's going to be the difference for them. I want to say something to that point. You mentioned Rob Gronkowski earlier, and we're talking tight ends. 2011 was Rob Gronkowski's best season ever. Yes, 20 um, touchdowns, something like that? 17 touchdowns, and then he had a rushing touchdown, which was really a, a lateral pass. And then do you have a, the I think he probably was... had one or two in the playoffs, too, or three. Oh, oh probably. So he had yeah. 90 receptions, which is a career yeah. high. He had 1,327 yards, which is a career high. He had 17 touchdowns, which is a career high, and... I would imagine the record for a tight end if the I overall would, record is 23. Yeah. Um, technically 18 because one was a rush. And then in the playoffs in 2011, he had 17 receptions for 258 yards and three touchdowns. And those are all career highs. Three touchdown ties a career high. He did that a bunch of times. Yeah. So that, that I guess that's why my mind went to tight end. It, yeah. In this 
with New England, with the best tight end ever, that tight end in his second year had his best season ever. So I think it's significant. I do think Bill O'Brien's philosophies have changed in the past 12 years. Right, because there was um, never... Yeah, it was like well, CJ Fedora, like I said, CJ Fedorowitz and Ryan Griffin were like the top. Well, I don't even Houston. mean Houston necessarily, but going to college yeah. twice, right. um, where the game is is different. Now, I'm not as familiar with this Penn State offense as Alabama, uh, no, talent wise and player wise, especially at that point when I'm not sure how many even scholarship athletes were at Penn State. They probably all left if they get Allen Robinson. I know that. Okay, um, but. I think the point is uh, that that's why I'm focused on the tight ends because we've seen the, the the peak of what is possible there, and maybe they don't get rid of Henry. Maybe they keep what they've got and they get a great. Maybe they are the focal point. Yeah, no, it's certainly possible. I I just I don't know. Maybe I'm just harping on the fact that they decided to restructure this contract with John Smith and it completely screwed them yeah. this off season. But like. It's just it's such a tough pill to swallow to pay those two tight ends thirty two point seven five million dollars on the cap next year because it's just yeah, you've been doing so it for a couple years. Space. <laughs> Why not do it what's, again? What's one more? I have a question for you while you're talking top yeah. targets uh, because prior to this or when this was going on, the the concern or question whether DeAndre Hopkins would ever play for Bill O'Brien again came up, yes. and everyone just sort of says no, Hopkins hates him, never going to happen. Is that you think that's the case? I have, a, I have a take on that. They coexisted for they coexisted for six years. Like I know that DeAndre Hopkins had some like not so great things to say on his way out, saying that like they didn't have a relationship or whatever it was. But like they coexisted for six years, and DeAndre Hopkins was extremely good in that offense for six years. So I don't know what their relationship is. I can't tell you one way or the other if like DeAndre Hopkins would refuse to play for Bill O'Brien. I feel like Bill Belichick could you know swing the vote a little bit for DeAndre Hopkins perhaps. And obviously we'd have to deal with Bill O'Brien more than Bill Belichick, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not giving it a non-zero chance just based on the yeah. fact that like, I, I keep saying it, but they coexisted for six years. That's a really long time before whatever blow up happened before the 2020 season. I don't know. It, it was six years. That's a long time. Mm. And there's been a decent amount of time since then they've had three right. years. Yeah. He was 27 at the time. He's 30 now. Receivers, when they turn 30, maybe there's more of a pressure of, of wanting to, to win or whatever. So maybe New England doesn't appeal. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Right. I, I, I would love to get DeAndre Hopkins' win-loss record. There's got to be a lot of losses in there, having played yeah. in Houston and Arizona. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore in that regard, where you can get right. a guy who's like, I just want to win. Uh, yeah. Unless you get Tom Brady. Um, we're not a Tom Brady podcast. But I think until Brady signs somewhere else or actually retires, people around here will throw it out there. And I, I get it. It's only natural. I was thinking Tom today. Brady. Oh, well, well, why? While I mentioned Rob Gronkowski with his best season, the only NFL AP MVP with a unanimous vote was Tom Brady in 2010 when That's Bill O'Brien was calling the place, which had way more to do with Tom Brady than Bill O'Brien. But <laughs> but still, the the man with the Xbox controller. I, I would think that, you know, I don't think Tom Brady's coming back. It would be too good for business um, for us. Well, I was thinking today that now that Nathaniel Hackett is with the Jets and, like, clearly they're using Nathaniel Hackett as a fishing lure to try to get Aaron Rodgers, like, just imagine how 
for lack of a better term, like deflating it would be for the Patriots. If you've got Whoa. Josh Allen in Buffalo, if you've got Aaron Rodgers in New York, and if Miami uh, somehow lands Tom Brady. Yeah, it's, I'll get It's out. Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, and then you've got you know Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien here. It's, I've I, got I don't a know. take on that. I've got a take on that. You're, you're, Aaron you don't Rogers believe in Aaron Rodgers? Aaron so checked out. He's so checked out. He's just not interested in being great. He's just not. And it's been clear he's interested. I don't know that he's interested in anything, but I, I don't – I think that he comes to the Jets. He's going to win more games. What did they win? Seven games this year? Yeah. That's going to be nine. They'd be better. Yeah. They would be, but I, I don't think it's this insurmountable – Death. Aaron no, Rodgers kind of stunk this year. He kind of stunk. He stunk worse yeah. than Tom Brady. Yeah. And with Brady, uh, what if Brady went to the Jets? I'd be. I would think that would make the Jets better. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Not a Tom Brady podcast. But I guess if Bill O'Brien's coming back and everyone points to the sideline blow up because it was great video and great content, but I don't. I don't think that means they hate each other. I think that means that's how they work together and they're both psychopaths. Right. No, um, no, which definitely. Part? Do you yeah, know who I else think would that, probably use an exhaust pipe to heal a wound? Tom Brady. Yeah, come Tom on. Brady. No, it's true. It's too pretty um, now, actually. I want to ask, I want to talk about what a Bill O'Brien offense could look like. And obviously, we don't fully know the answers to this, but I ran some numbers uh, about the Patriots offense last year. I put this out on Twitter, but I wanted to talk about it as well. Um, Patriots offense, you could tell by watching it, but these numbers just illustrate how incredibly vanilla things were on the Patriots offense last year. Okay. They ranked second in dropback concept rate. So they, what's that? The, the rate of plays, like the rate of plays that they ran, they had the second most in the NFL, just like a plain dropback concept, like basically just like a, a normal passing play, I would say. They ranked third in screen rate. So they ran the third most percentage of screen plays, which should probably surprise no one. Uh, they were 24th in play action rate, 22nd in RPO rate, 31st in boot and 27th in quick game. So like basically anything that you can do to make your offense easier for a young quarterback who might not have the physical skill set of a Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, they ranked 22nd or worse in, um, which is not where you want to be. Because if uh, among teams left in the playoffs, Cincinnati Bengals, number one in quick game. San Francisco 49ers, sixth or seventh in quick game. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, number one in RPO rate. And I think the Chiefs are like fourth or fifth in RPO rate. Like these are creative offenses that are introducing new concepts. And that just was not happening last year with the Patriots. So I want to figure out what like Bill O'Brien might increase the percentages on. And it might be just across the board because the Patriots ran play action on only something like 10% of passing plays last year, mm. which is really, really minuscule. Um, even in the years where, where Bill O'Brien wasn't running a ton of play action and Houston, it was still up around like 22, 23%. So that's going to rise. And the RPO rate, I think, is going to rise quite a bit yeah. as well uh, because he did that at Alabama. And he actually also did it way back in, I think, 2019 with Deshaun Watson as well, maybe 2020 in those first four games as well. Yeah. So I think we're going to see more RPO. We're going to see more play action. And because they're doing more RPO, we're probably going to see more quick game as well. So I don't know. Quick it's, game it's all just sucks. A, it certainly did for the Patriots, uh, well, but they weren't well, doing a whole lot of it. Now, we're, we're not 
we are Bill Belichick respectors with an yes. O. Um, but I, as you're t- saying there, what came to mind was Bill Belichick's comment from, I don't know, December. Remember the RPO comment where he yeah. was like, RPOs are for outside passes. If you want to throw down the field, just throw down the field. And not to come off as not a Bill Belichick respector, but I don't, does he not know that that's not the case? And, and, and someone who's coming from Alabama where the RPO is a, is a dagger that can be used in several different ways. Uh, that, that is something that should modernize and update the offense because man, I was surprised. What'd you say? They were 22nd in RPO last year. I would have guessed 32nd. Yeah. But, but, um, uh, I yeah. think that I think Bill Belichick needs someone in his ear who's not Mac Jones to be like, we need to do more RPOs. Like we we need mm. to at least expand our RPO usage or the plays yeah. in which we do them. And I think that Bill O'Brien could be that person. I don't think because Josh McDaniels in twenty twenty one, like the Patriots did, like ran essentially like no RPOs. It was very minuscule. And then it was the same thing with the Raiders this year. I think the Raiders were either 31st or 32nd in RPO rate this year. So like clearly Josh McDaniels is not a believer of the RPO, but Bill O'Brien is. And I think that if you're bringing him in to run your offense, like maybe he can get in Bill Belichick's ear about it. Um, Also to finish that thought, it came later, not a Matt Patricia podcast, but going back to Super Bowl 52, Matt Patricia also doesn't understand the RPO (laughs) at all. Um, Nick Foles has a Super Bowl ring that can explain that to you. So it's true. um, and remember, uh, while you were talking about O'Brien and, and his strategy, remember the 2019 Sunday night football game between the Texans and the Patriots when no. the Texans just, oh, you suck. It was a Sunday night in December. Uh, it was snowing <laughs> oh, out. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The Dirty Nil were playing in Cambridge, and I couldn't go see them because I had to watch the Patriots get their asses kicked. Just tell me Texans. more about the game. I, I might remember it. Well, DeAndre Hopkins threw a touchdown pass to Deshaun Watson. It was, I forget the exact design of it, but it was one of those plays where you're like, oh, yeah, they had no chance on that one. Just John right. Watson, six-yard pass from DeAndre Hopkins. It made it 28-9 to nine in the fourth quarter. Um, it was, uh, it was. Uh, that game was in New play. England? Yes, it was snowing. No, no, no. I, it was in Houston. No, no, no. Sorry, it was snowing here. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> it was snowing in New England. The game was in Houston. Maybe I don't you think were that, in Houston. I don't think the snow had much of an impact in the in the NRG Stadium. Uh, yeah, I was, it was there. One of those, I don't. It was one of those. I don't remember, but around. I was there. Oh, I yeah. I remember being there because I was like, oh, we're back in Houston. This is where I spent what seemed like a year of my life back in January 2017. Um, yes. I don't have. You remember like every moment from every game, yeah. and I remember zero moments from every game. So it's a good combination that we have here. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you live play by play of the play. All right. We got motion left. Watson takes the shotgun snap and hands it off to a running back. Oh, this is a great play, Doug. I wish we could visualize this. So you've got a shotgun formation. DeAndre Hopkins is lined up essentially at tight end on the left side. You've got motion coming in from the right side, like jet sweep action, right? Mm -hmm. Watson takes the shotgun snap, hands it off to the running back, who then quickly gives it to Hopkins, who's running the jet sweep the other way. Now the Patriots defend it pretty well. They're lined up, and it looks like it looks like Hopkins is going to run an option with Watson, mm-hmm. but instead Hopkins pulls up to pass, and Watson just keeps running around, and he gives him a little. Shoop. It was like a wow. forward pitch. It, it was probably more Hopkins being cool than anything, but mm-hmm. uh, that was that that play. You saw how excited I got watching that. I did. 
that happened zero times watching the Patriots in 2022. <laughs> zero times. So what about, I think what about that Marcus is, Jones? What about the Marcus Jones screen? Good, exciting play. Not exactly no. complicated. Not exactly very it was, creative. Yeah. It was snap, ball to the fast guy. No one even God. knew he was on the field and yeah. he's gone. So uh yeah, I didn't that was that's this is a guy that knows what he's doing and is gonna have some good plays and they're gonna have a better offense. And like we said a couple weeks ago, talk about a low bar to clear. The Patriots yes. need to have like the fourteenth best offense in the league next year, and this guy's gonna look like a genius. So great yes. spot for him. Um, I don't know if he's here for a year, two years, maybe he's the next head coach, but I think, uh, they, they, like I said, they did as well as they could. So it's not February yet. Mm -hmm. They've done as much as they could so far to take the first step toward fixing the mess. Joe judge. Uh, I'm going going to introduce the the topic of the Joe judge uh, podcast here by asking you, because I saw other people writing about it. Um, I know that you're, you're staunchly anti talking about shrine bowl senior bowl did you have any yeah. thoughts on the on the the coaching staff selected for the patriots on the shrine bowl the full staff we got we got the whole staff um i would say this when steve belichick wasn't on the list it was kind of like oh what's that about but then he's apparently mm-hmm. going so i don't know how the shrine bowl for if they're going to forget an assistant coach it's going to be like ross douglas it's not going to be someone named belichick right. yeah. so something was was a miss there, and you can't convince yeah. me otherwise. Um, other than that, Patricia and Judge not being there, I mean, I thought that meant they were both gone, but now reports have indicated Judge is going, which I think is bad. I, I honestly think in, in the Herald report today was sort of laying bare what we all assumed and could tell. Mm-hmm. I don't think Joe Judge is good for the team. I don't think he has the believability and credibility among the players which he didn't have with the Giants, which there was a report last year, uh, Tom Curran reported it, that in 2019 when he was coaching the receivers in New England, the receivers would say, you don't know what you're talking about. And it would require other coaches to fix his coaching, which was again prevalent in this report. I don't think he's good for the team, and I don't know who would be around Belichick to say that to him. But someone's going to have to because – the the law and people might say he could go to special teams or whatever. I don't think Joe Judge sees himself as a special teams coordinator anymore. So that, that's, that's the, the other thing. Right. And that, that's we're, the issue. we're not a special teams coordinator podcast, but that's another topic we'll get to later. Uh, because when you asked about the staff going to Vegas, Cam Acord is on there. And I learned this week because the Senior Bowl tagged me or the Shrine Bowl tagged me in that picture for whatever mm. reason. They tagged like nine people. So I got every reply. Patriots fans, not fans of Cam Acord. Oh, my God. The most hated special teams coordinator of all time. But we'll get to that later. As it relates to Joe Judge, he's still on the staff. Reports indicate he's not leaving. Who knows what he'll do? I don't, I don't think that's good. I mean, he has, to, he has to be moved to special teams because, like you said, I don't think that there's the credibility there for him to be an offensive coach on staff. And, like, he's lost the quarterback coach role now. So I don't think that you can take him – off quarterbacks and move them back to wide receivers. Like there's better options there. Like running back, like what's he going to do? Coach the offensive line? Like I I would certainly hope not. So I think the only thing that you can do here is make him your special teams coordinator and just like hope he accepts it because he is a guy who's probably still under contract or like not being paid much and still under contract from the Giants job. So it makes sense from a monetary perspective if the Patriots want to keep doing that 
to keep him on staff and not have to pay him much to be a special teams coordinator. But like, he has to be okay with being in that role. And I, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you, it, it would be an awkward situation, I think, for him to like be seeing Mac Jones around the building and everything like that, like based on the reports, based on their relationship. Like I even heard, like I was hearing back in the spring, like in the spring, the players were concerned about what was being put together on offense. and was like, we don't have plays. Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. So I, I don't think that he can be on staff. And I don't know. I think that Joe Judge is just such an interesting guy. I know that you haven't spent a lot of time at, like, at like training camp practices or, or on the practice field or anything like that. But, like, Joe Judge is the loudest coach on the field. And he is, like, he's the one throwing around swear words. Uh, he's got his southern twang even though he's from philadelphia pennsylvania um and like it it became like he became like more verbose i would say around like 2017 2018 2019 or whatever and clearly like then he rose up the ranks became a head coach somewhere else but i don't know if now you can like silence that and it is weird moving over to special teams because there's gonna be large you know, times in practice where he's not doing a whole lot. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Joe Judge. I think that it would be a net positive for him to take over special teams from Cam Acord based on how the Patriots special teams used to perform and how they performed last season. But it does create this awkward dynamic. For sure. Uh, and bad news, he had three years left on his Giants deal. So that means he is he is a free employee through 2024. Right. Which, which is, is good if he can fix the special teams. It is. Um, sure. And maybe he can salvage that, but I think there is this air of belief within judge's own head that he is a head coach and there is an element of eating crap by going back to special teams. I think probably in your mind, if you are there, but we talk about, and I don't know if we were, if it was before we started recording or after I forget, but we were (laughs) talking about Patricia, uh, in what he might do. Yeah, if, if he is to leave the team because his contract is up. And if, if he's going to work here, he's not going to make very much money. Maybe he wants to make money somewhere else. And you said something like, well, what's he going to do? Where's he going to go? It's kind of interesting. We look at it as kind of like Belichick picked Patricia and Judge to run the offense last year. And we look at it as them like doing him a solid. Right. But their careers elsewhere, I'm not sure anyone that's going to go from. Actually, I don't know anyone, Doug, that would have taken Joe Judge on after that you want to talk about a twangy press conference after the Jake from back-to-back QB sneaks from the two yard line on second and third down. Um, and then that 30 minute press conference, which got him fired. I'm pretty sure that 30 minute right. press conference was why he's no longer the head coach of the giants. And then the turnaround down there, like the, the complete change year yeah. to year, Joe judge would be looking at a law at a hard list right now of, of, of job opportunities. And I think it's even lower. So I don't know if the Patriots just look at him as someone who can do something for free, but I, I don't think that's a reason to keep someone. I would say that because they're cheap is is a foolish way. And, and that's what they did last year. And look where it got them. Is, so you, you would not want them on special teams just based on the dynamic and based on you thinking that he's going to believe that that role is beneath him. Uh, that last part I'm guessing on. The first part right. I think was made clear in the, in the article that some relationships have been fractured. Right. That special teams you're working with. Yeah. You're not working with Devonte Parker necessarily and, and Hunter Henry, as you might uh, work right. with them on offense, 
but you're working with offensive players. You're working with linemen. You're working with defensive players that, I don't know, some of the quotes, and not to like guess anything, but some of them sounded like they were coming from defensive players that knew that the offense was a mess too. So I don't think it's any secret in that locker room that Joe Judge doesn't have credibility with, with what happened this year. So is it good to keep that? coach around in charge of something I, I don't know now granted could he be worse could the special teams get worse next year i doubt it but right. I, I think overall hire a qualified special teams coach who doesn't have credibility issues in your locker room and you'll probably be better off spend the money yeah yeah i think it is probably best to not it, like it's best to probably not have him on staff it doesn't seem like that's where this is heading so i guess bill belichick will decide like i know i'm stuck on something that people were talking about 12 months ago but I just have to be stuck on it. Like, like Bill Belichick is like, he respects football so much. He respects coaching so much. He respects players so much. It's just so absolutely bizarre for him to be the guy that's like, all right, in 2019, we're going to move our special teams coach to also coach wide receivers. And then two years later or three years later, he's going to be coaching quarterbacks. And Matt. like, it, it's like, it's almost disrespectful to coaching. And like I, I, I feel bad even saying that because I know that Bill Belichick does like respect coaches so much, but doesn't it like almost feel that way to just be like, yeah, I mean those guys can coach on offense even though they've never done it before, and like he's gonna need to be corrected, and people are gonna be yelling at him, and no one's gonna respect it. Isn't isn't that just so strange? I don't know. Yes, it is. Yeah. The answer is yes. It is. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. Now, now, what stood out to you the most in the story by Andrew and Karen? Because there was a lot there. And like I said earlier, I think we understood this was the case. I think it's a credit to the professionalism of the players that this came out after the season. Uh, I think having closely followed and partially covered teams like the Jets during their Rex Ryan days, this stuff would come out on a Tuesday and then it would be chaos. So the fact that it was bottled up uh, speaks to it. But but what was the most eye opening or jarring part for you? Um, Do you have one? Because I'll let you go first. Uh, I mean, the FDUS line is pretty strong. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a player or a source, I should say. Maybe it was not a player. I don't want to guess. But it says, I love Coach Belichick, but he effed us. Right. For all of the questionable decisions, even like the Malcolm Butler benching, um, I don't know if anything – I mean, people harp on fourth and two. I think that's not the case. But I, I don't know. They, Mark, Malcolm Butler's maybe the only comparable. But no one ever outright came out and said that. I think they, they just gave – belief in the coaching staff because right. the, the credibility was there so no i think that's, me, a, that's that, a that fair cuts one. into it yeah yeah because i think that yeah like there's obviously always been the like in bill we trust Mon- where did that even who came up with that where did that even I come from it was me actually um god damn it mike um, no i don't know it sounds like a t-shirt slogan so i don't know right so like there, there was that whole like maybe it was i don't know um what's yeah uh yeah, but like there's always been that like in Bill we trust thing and that seems to be with like fans and with players. And I know that we've talked about this a little bit where like if Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty are gone this off season, then that just removes another like layer of I don't know, the the six degrees of separation from the from the Super Bowl winners that they had. Um, not only from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen, but also from two thousand one to two thousand four. And like the more layers you remove from there, and now you're dealing with players who haven't won Super Bowls, who just like know guys who have won three Super Bowls, I think that some of that belief will go away faster. And it could even go away as fast as this upcoming season. Like mm. if if players 
are no longer players on the team are no longer like looking at Bill Belichick as being like, that's the guy who won me a Super Bowl. And mm. instead looking at Bill Belichick and saying, like, that's the guy who decided to hire Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to coach our offense, and we were worse because of it. Then I think that like I don't know, like losing the locker room it sounds dramatic and everything like that, but like it becomes more of a possibility, I think, based on this decision. And now based on at least one quote that was in that Herald story, I know that that feels like I'm taking a leap. I don't want to be like the hot take guy or anything like no, that, but like, no. it feels real, right? Like I'm not like just, this isn't coming out of nowhere. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's the value of keeping guys like Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater around to have a tie to that era. Yes. And David Andrews being, being a, as vocal leader. Um, I would add uh, the, the other part. If, if we're uh, adding to that one was, the quote about players on the field asking, well, what if the defense does this? And they're not being answers. There can't not be answers. And that is a case of guys learning offense on the fly and trying to teach it. It reminds me, I can actually relate to this. Okay. I was smart at one point in my life and I was in the advanced track in math in high school. I took honors the first two years and then I was an honors something the third year. I was going to be an AP calculus senior year. But my teacher junior year was literally just reading the book of like pre-calculus and whatever you take junior year and just reading it and then giving us tests. And I did awful and I didn't make it in AP calculus and I had been smart. I was good at math prior to that. So when, when your teacher just has the textbook out saying, okay, this, that, that, any questions? And then someone asks the questions and you say, not now. I feel like that, that is setting, setting up for failure. Um, And they were constantly just chasing it. And I think that explains, too, why the offense looked crisper with Bailey Zappi running it. Because yeah. you had a kid with no NFL experience, with Western Kentucky experience. I don't know their, their offense complexity. I'm sure mm-hmm. they simplify things like many colleges do. So I think that answers the question of why. I think Because this, the, the knowledge base was comparable right. from the guys running it to the quarterback at the wheel. Right. No, I think that's fair. And yeah, that was definitely pretty concerning as well. I think that just like the Joe Judge, Matt, Mac Jones relationship, mm-hmm. um, because I had heard sort of rumblings of that, that like maybe Judge wasn't a big Mac Jones guy, but like nothing solid enough to put out there. But like, it's good to have that concretely reported that there was a strain in that relationship. And I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that I think that everyone always assumed that Mac Jones was screaming at Matt Patricia on the sideline, but maybe it wasn't Matt Patricia they were screaming at. Or maybe it was Matt Patricia because he had just given up hope on Joe Judge at that point. I don't know. I would want to know. Um, there's a line in there, too. Sorry, I was just kind of thumbing through, so I didn't have my, my bullet point list, so I apologize to you and the listeners for not doing my homework because sure. I blame my junior year math teacher who – Set me on a path of idiocy. So when when I was a when I was a freshman in high school, uh, I took it was like algebra two or pre algebra whatever it was. Uh, yeah. My friend uh, Matt brought a a potato gun to school, the one that you would like stick in a potato yeah. and then it would like mm-hmm. you'd shoot it or whatever. And yeah. so he and my friend Chris uh, were both playing with that in the back of class, and I was sitting next to them. And I was probably going to be the one who was going to play with that that potato gun next. I was probably going to be the third person to play with that potato uh-huh. gun. Um, I really dodged a bullet there because they were playing with the potato gun and both got suspended for 10, uh, 10 days. 
and both wow. basically like failed every class that they were taking that semester. That's a lot I of school. Not, I did not get suspended because I did not play with a potato gun. I really am wondering like where where life's trajectory yeah. takes me in, in yeah. that one moment. If I if I'd been not been next in line and been second in line to play with that potato gun, but kids at the don't very bring, least don't bring potato yeah. guns to school. At the very They're, least, you'd be triggered every time you saw a potato. Which <laughs> you said dodged a bullet. I just said triggered unintentional uh, potato gun puns there. Dodged uh, a, I don't even know what potato dodged bullet a spud is. But like, I, like yeah. I'm, I'm saying potato, like the thing was like this. I mean, not, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He didn't bring a you gun stick to it in. It was like, yeah, it's yeah. very it's small. It's Newberry Comics. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, that that was, uh, that was a twist. Uh, <laughs> and we're not a TI-83 podcast, but I was looking this up the other day just to, just to sew up the high school math conversation. You yeah. know they're still making kids buy TI-83s? Even Jesus though Christ. in your pocket at 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 all yeah. times is this supercomputer that can like do anything in the world. It's uh it, the hundred bucks you still got to pop for. I googled it this weekend. That was interesting. Anyways, it's absurd. Um, so there goes high school math conversation. Good stuff. Yep. Back to the to the things that stand out. There was the line, um, and it was a repeat of what I mentioned earlier. But I think there were times the coaches were frustrated, especially the ones who had been on staff in years past and knew what we had done. And, and the story said that other assistants had to occasionally correct his talking points to players during drills. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, will that generate some honest conversations among the coaches? Like, will Bill take this? Because we know every I mean, Bill's certainly aware of this article. Will Bill take right. this in a meeting room and say, did any of you correct Joe Judge after he coached your players? Because if I'm the head coach, I need to know that. I need to know right. that one guy isn't saying, all right, you're going to do this. Then the other coach comes in and says, that's not it at all. I, I would need to know that as a head coach. And that goes into what role yeah. he can play and what did he say? And I would, I would spend a lot of time figuring that out if I'm the head coach, because you can't have coaches telling players different things. Cause then you get players not knowing what to do. You get players may having illegal formation penalties, having illegal right. motion penalties, all illegal procedure stuff. They're not having enough guys in the huddle called wasting timeouts. There's so many little things that are huge. And I think that that stood out to me. I think you also need like, like you can't have, like I'm I'm curious like what position that is because Joe Judge was a quarterbacks coach, like was he telling tight ends to do something? Was he telling wide receivers, offensive linemen? Like I think that's that so goes he to coached the flaw. Judge also coached across positions in practice, according to the report. I think that that goes to the flaw in last year's plan as well. That like your offensive play caller was the offensive line coach, it wasn't the quarterbacks coach. Where like usually the top dog is the quarterback's coach. He can coach anything. And like, if you're the quarterback's coach, you probably need to be able to coach everything, at least in this system. And that's fine. If you're the offensive coordinator, it's not fine. If you were a special teams coach three years earlier, I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. my take on that. Yeah. Um, there was also quotes that you just don't see from like, what was wrong with you? Tell me, I don't know uh, for the Patriots to say things like that. And, uh, there was something on the oh, this one. Sometimes I would wonder, like, are we trying to screw this up on purpose? <laughs> These really, this is, and I want to say this too, because I know some fans, I mean, if I guess if they're bothered by that report, they tuned out long ago. Right. <clears throat> I like the fact that it came from local reporters. Uh, yeah. Andrew's been here for what? Six years, seven years. Karen's been here for decades. They're not coming out with, they're there every day. They're in the locker room every day. They're not coming out with any of this if it's not absolutely true. 
Right. I, I have no problem saying that. It's not as if some national reporter made some phone calls, got right. some explosive quotes from a practice squatter who wasn't involved and tried to tell a full story. This is not that. So uh, when I read this story, I know where it's coming from and there shouldn't be any doubt. I know, I mean, you can't, if you're a player, we'll name an imaginary player, Doug Hurley, and you're the third receiver, you can't put your name to that. You just can't. No. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. Unless you're like planning on retiring or something like that, then no, there's no way. Yeah. It's a, it's an issue. And I think that this Bill O'Brien hire is a good move to fix that issue, but it also almost feels like it would be like beneficial to do almost a complete reset on this offensive coaching staff. And maybe that is what's happening with Patricia and judge being gone. And maybe they bring in Adrian Clem as offensive line coach. And maybe they bring in Sean Jefferson as wide receivers coach. And I don't know what happens in Nick at this point. He didn't get the jets offensive coordinator job. Yeah. We left him off with the shrine bowl staff, not being there. That True. sounds like, but his contract in, is up, right? It is That's up. Support. So that would indicate he doesn't have a new one. At least not yet. And that would make sense if he's looking elsewhere. He's not getting before. the Jets job anymore. We know that. No, exactly. That's his right. interview thus far. So yeah. I don't know what that means. Maybe there was a... a... All right, he's not going to be quarterback's coach. He's not going to be quarterback's coach. He's not going to be quarterback's coach. But, and I think that yeah. assistant quarterback's coach would be a demotion for him. So we assume Troy Brown will be back. Troy Brown is the head coach in the Shrine Bowl, so I assume he's pretty True. cemented in there. Right. Um, oh, did you notice who was behind Belichick on the video and the walking in the airport today? No. It was Evan video. Yeah, the Shrine Bowl. It's a great video. The Twitter account of the Shrine Bowl was like Bill Belichick, and it was them walking through the terminal. Yeah. <laughs> and it was clearly just a cell phone video. It was Belichick, Macro, Evan Rothstein was there. Um, so Evan's back, but huh? Evan's still there, but... Belichick kind of glanced at the person taking the video and the camera was just like, eh. <laughs> like, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't filming you like, uh, Oh, look, it's, it's oh, and then it just was like, shut off. It was a great, great clip. That's uh, good stuff. Um, I, I know that stare, you know, that stare when you like catch the eyes oh, yeah. of, oh, of yeah. Bill and like, and you're just like, Oh, uh, I was just, I was just playing snood. Yeah. I was just playing snood. Snood. <laughs> Bring back um, snood. Yeah, bring back Snood. Uh, all right, anything else that we had here on the docket? You want oh, to talk about, well, about KMA Accord, right? Or yeah, what else so, so, like, yeah. so like I said, like I got tagged. They tagged some reporters to hopefully spread the word when they tweeted out the roster. And right. it, I was driving to work, and I got an alert. Shrine Bowl tag you. Like, whatever. I get to work, and it was probably 20 minutes that elapsed. There was probably 15 tweets. Get KMA Accord off the staff. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just, I get it. Um, between the blocked punt in Vegas, between the three kick returns for touchdowns, between the sketchy punting game, between is am I missing something? Last year, I can't even get into 2021 because we'd have to do even more. Um, People are more mad at Cam Acord than anyone's ever been mad at a special teams coordinator. That's right. And I I feel comfortable saying that. the special teams was not that bad in 2020, right? It was kind of like a continuation of how the Patriots had been doing previously up until that point. Like, cause that was a good yeah. Jake Bailey season, right? All Jake Bailey, um, Nick Folk established himself. Right. You didn't give up kickoff returns. You still had. Yeah. Cause Goskowski was done by then. And then, la- right? and then last year it like took 
Yeah, Goskowski's been done since 2019. 20... Yeah, that was, was the year he season. got hurt. 2019 yeah. he got hurt. Right. Well, he was here in 2019, but then he got hurt. And then you had yeah. the parade of kickers, and that was that. And Nick Foles lost his appendix, and then he became a really good kicker again. So that's Nick the key Folk. for kickers. Nick Folk. Not Nick, Nick Foles. Folk, we talked about Nick Foles earlier. Nick um, Folk. Pursuant to the RPO discussion. Yes. So in 2020, if I'm reading this correctly, the Patriots were number one in special teams DVOA on Football Outsiders. Probably um, Jake Bailey being season, a big part of that. Right. The previous season, they were 11th. Um, and yeah, punt, punt return were really good. Kickoff was decent. Kickoff return was bad. Um, so yeah, obvi- but still. Give me the number this really year. Good. What number we got? 2022. Uh, we got? Hold on. I'm going, I'm going year by year. This isn't the fastest website in the world, but shout out Aaron Schatz. Um, 2021, they were 18th. So not Big as job. good. Punt from 11? brought them down quite a bit. From No, from no 2020, one. they were one. One to eighteen. Yeah, so so eleven to one to eighteen. Uh and that year they were pretty good on field goal, extra point, pretty good on kickoff, very bad on punt, decent on punt return. So it it's kind of like a Jake Bailey swing a little bit from Mm twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. He was bad last year, no doubt about it. Yes. Um and then this year they were thirty (laughs) second. So you go from eleven to one, Doug, that's with that's with an all pro punt returner. Seconds. It is. That's you're um, one of two teams with a punt return touchdown. You have an all pro punt returner, and you're still dead last in special teams. Brendan Schooler and Matthew Slater both got like all pro votes too, or something too, right? Yeah, Schooler like you've was got on the good special teams players on there. Yeah. Okay, all rookie. Yeah, that's it was. Well, yeah, but he was good. He he had two yeah. rough punt recoveries and tackles, and oh and you decided. God. They would have beaten the Bills if Schooler played. So there is okay. I'm sorting by kickoff here for a second. Um, I don't totally know what these numbers mean. I should, but I'm I just like I'm not that well versed in football outsiders. So the number one team on kickoff was the Houston Texans. They had a nine point three. Then you've got like seven point nine, five point oh, whatever. Um, the thirty first team had a negative eight point four. So number one is 9.3. Nine. Number 31 is negative 8.4. Do you so want to give a point. guess? Do you want to give a guess at what the Patriots kickoff DVOA number is? Minus 18. Minus 20.6. <laughs> so that's really bad on kickoff. Yeah. And well, clearly, well, remember. The, the, and that's the only the regular year. season. That's only the yeah. regular season. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, it's only the regular season. They didn't make season. the playoffs. But yeah, they well, didn't make the playoffs. This you, year, but yeah. Uh, the nadir was when they had Tristan Viscaino active to kick off right. because Nick Folk couldn't kick the yes. ball out of the end zone. But neither could Tristan Viscaino. It goes to your point right. of like, can't yeah. you get a man to kick the ball out of the end zone? Yeah. They had two right. guys that couldn't. Um, just a disaster. Now, I don't know how responsible I want to hold Cam Cam Acord for Jake Bailey not being able to punt. Right. Um, That's the biggest issue. I don't think, I don't think Cam's in his ear. Like, listen, man, you're, you're getting it right in the thick of your foot. You're going to want to catch it off the side. We want like a nice 25 yard punt. Can you give me that? I don't think that's what he's coaching. Something happened. Like he got the yips. I don't know any other way to describe what happened to Jake Bailey. Um, But overall, like the mistakes, the penalties, the block punt in Vegas was atrocious. 
Um, that was with a backup long snapper, so I don't know if you want to uh, excuse it. I don't. Forgot about that. But yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know. It's it's if ever there were a position that clearly needed change, it would be at the spot being led by a man who led the 32nd ranked special teams in the league, taking right. it there from one to 32 rapidly. If that was an offense, he would have been fired in week eight. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's, I think the the big case to be made for Joe judge coaching special teams is that like, you can't be that bad and make zero changes. And I've, I've never been a big fan of like the Adam Jones bit. Uh, I like Adam Jones, but I've never been a, been a big fan of his like bit of like, Oh, you're like paying all these guys to only play special teams, all that stuff. Like it worked for 20 years for the Patriots to have a very good special teams by like yeah. paying guys specifically to play on the kicking game. But I think that there's a case to be made on that bit when you're finishing 32nd and you're paying Cody Davis and Matthew Slater and who else is a core special team at this point on the Patriots schooler, but you're not really having to pay him. Um, Oh, I guess guess Ethel was off the team this year, but like maybe, but uh, Uh, who knows? Maybe that's it. Maybe they weren't paying enough guys to play specifically special teams this season. Uh, Maybe they needed more because they didn't really have like a special teams linebacker this year either. Right. Like a, like a, he's only, they didn't have like a Larry Izzo or like a, um, Um, what's his name? Not Mac Wilson. Um, Raquan McMillan. Yeah. He was kind of that. that I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to check the snap count. They didn't have Brandon King. They didn't have, I don't know. Who is a linebacker. That's a big, um, let's see. Yeah. Cause Tavai played a lot of special teams. He was a defensive player. Uh, Demarcus Mitchell played a lot. That's not money. Yeah. I mean, Mac Wilson did take 62%. That's high. Yeah. Uh, But still those guys are like, yeah. I think it speaks to, to what you were saying about the, the bit when they're winning 13, 14 games a year, I think it's like, well, what nits can we pick today? True. So it's kind of whatever. Uh, it's right. a fun gag when you're not a good football team. It just stands out more and looks worse right. to, to have such a focus. And, and for us, like it's been drilled in our head, special teams, special teams, special teams, special yeah. teams. And when it's bad, what are we supposed to do? Be like, ah, oh, it's just special teams. No, it's, it's right. a significant thing. And it, and it hurts. It, 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 I think you lost the Minnesota game because of that kick return. And I think yep. you lost the Bills. You had no chance in the Bills game because of it. I don't know if you win without right. those, but uh, it certainly ruined the game. I have a question. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of new Twitter, the new Twitter app? Okay. Uh, I haven't updated my app. So, oh, uh, you are great. the smartest person in the world because yeah. the free you tab sucks. Well, so I, I use Twitter.com. I don't know if that makes me like an old person. I use TweetDeck. Uh, well, yeah. But like when okay. I'm on my phone, I have to yeah, use yeah. the no, Twitter I, app, right? Yeah. So I haven't updated that. So that's fine. But I use Twitter.com and I saw everyone complaining about the For You tab. And I'm like, guys, you just clicked the other one. I thought it was the same mm. as like that star thing that did most recent versus. Okay. It was basically, and all that was was one click fixed. And then I started getting the For You tab like every time I went to Twitter. And it yeah. sucked, but now that doesn't happen anymore. So I think some developer somewhere, some coder mm. saved the day and listened because uh, it was a tough couple mm. days there for me. But I will say this, Doug, from a from a content creator perspective, yeah, I was getting more more juice, more action when the free really? tab was pop. Yeah, I just noticed like more wow. random people that don't follow me chiming in. Interesting, um, more engagement. So I haven't really been tweeting a lot lately. So maybe that's been for you. Yeah. I uh, well, stop. 
my my fun employment ends in about a month, so I might not be really? tweeting that much for about a month, but then I'll probably be tweeting a lot more after that. Uh, but I actually wrote a thing on the Patriots that I'm going to put on, uh, what's that website? Substack. I just wanted to write a thing yeah. about the Patriots. I want to yeah, keep my, my fresh. fingers fresh. Yeah. So I'm going to post that um, on Friday morning. I'm using nice. the Pat's Chat podcast as, as the name so that we can kind of keep that whole thing going. I'll put the podcast on the Substack and everything too. Uh, I had one other question, a non sequitur. Did you okay. did you watch wrestling when you were in like middle school? Middle school, middle school, yes, big time. I wrote um, eighth grade. We had to do a compare and contrast essay, yeah. and I compared and contrasted The Rock and Stone Cold. It was the best paper I've ever written. It was the best article I've ever written. It had pictures and like Word Perfect. I was formatting the photos, which is very difficult to do yeah. in 1999, but I did oh, it. I used to and that stuff. yeah. Anyways, the yeah. answer is yes. I watched from probably like 98 to 2000. So I, I used to watch a lot when I was a kid uh, in like the mid-90s, I guess I would say. And then do you remember the storyline when Brian Pillman had a gun? Never heard um, of Brian Pillman until you said him about an hour. Really? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay, well, Not he a, had a gun. He was like waving it at Stone Cold Steve Austin. My mom caught wind of that in about 1997. Wouldn't let me watch wrestling for about a year. So I missed um, like the introduction of DX. I missed like the introduction oh, no. of Kane. Missed a lot of that stuff. Picked it up again, like in like mid 1998. So I didn't miss a lot, missed like a year. But right now, as I'm writing, as I'm working, as I'm sitting on my couch, I'm watching uh, the introduction of the Attitude Era on Peacock on like the WWE Network section. And um, it's good. It's there's some there's some uh, stuff that, um, that doesn't age all that well. Yeah. But, yeah. They yeah. had kids walking around saying, suck it. Um, they just had a bunch of kids around America telling people to suck it, which is like, was that real life? Because yeah. I lived it. Yeah. I'm not saying you, I went around. Did you have one of the shirts that said suck it on the back? That was that, that had a little star on the U. I don't think I had any wrestling shirts. If I did, it would have been a, a rock shirt. I'm a, I'm a loyal rock guy. That's why Big I see all of his, his great films that come out. I still go see. Yeah um in the big screen and imax if possible one time i saw rampage by myself at imax which is um a decision that a man can make in his life um but yeah uh yeah definitely a strange stranger there was also um the, the pimp guy uh I oh the godfather the godfather yeah yeah, yeah um there Pimpin was it easy. was it was risque um brian pillman unfortunately died at 35 that's he that's did sad. Yeah. yeah, he uh, he died the Heart night disease. of a pay per view that I just watched, and wow. they like announced it and then just kept going with the pay per view, which I don't yeah. know what they were specifically supposed to do because Kane uh, debuted that night, so I'm sure they were thinking like, I don't think we can just like cancel yeah. this pay per view, but probably should. You know what was a, respect, maybe? What was a great night? Sorry, I just totally stomped off of you. First of all, this is a free hat from the Gillette Stadium press box Army oh, Navy nice. game. Um, wow, you covered that game. Uh, it's a future game, um, but oh, right. it's <laughs> a very comfy hat. Uh, this podcast brought to you by 47 Winter Hats. So comfy. Um, nice. So shout out to that hat. Um, well, big night in wrestling. I remember I wasn't a WCW guy. I was more, I mean, I wasn't, I was late to the game. I flipped so back I was, and forth. Yeah. Yeah. But when Jericho debuted on mm. Raw with the countdown clock and no yep. one knew what it was going to be. I remember it as he was on Nitro and Raw on the same night. 
um, which probably isn't true, but that's how my brain. And then he showed up the content he came out. That was pretty exciting in terms of memories. I uh, I went to King of the Ring in 2000. I went to that too, I believe. The rock was in Boston. Yes. There was a ladder match with like the Hardy Boys or something before it. It was pretty scary. I I I think I had some bad seats for that, but I was there. My birthday I was in club party, level, not to brag. Birthday party in 98 or 99 was the Hell in the Cell when Mankind got thrown off the cell. That was memorable. Oh, wow. It's also uh, scary. In, in retrospect, yeah, you're scary. like, oh, my God. If yeah. I fell off my chair right now, you'd be like, Mike, are you I okay? I think about that all the time. Is that like, if I'm on a ladder outside, outside my house, you, like yeah. putting up you're Christmas lights, you you're dead. I'm just like, this would hurt so much if I fell off of this. I and, watched recently. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And they fall like 20 feet and they're just like, all right. I'm good. It's not good. It's not like, yeah, I put on the jackass movie one time back when I was still working at home. Just, I would put stuff on in the background. What better thing to have sort of as wallpaper than jackass. The I mean, movie. Of course. Yeah. And Johnny Knoxville was not a skateboarder. So they set him up, they put a skateboard on a railing and he just got on it and they held him and then they <laughs> let go and let him slide. And he like, he grinded on the railing for like five feet and then just fell right on his spine. And it was like, forget everything else they do. That that is the most devastating thing I've seen because now if, yeah. if, if I have a if I slip on ice, that's three weeks I'm feeling that I'm living right. or in pain or bruised. So I don't know a lot of stuff from the late '90s that I didn't even think twice about is no. shocking now. So I can't imagine watching wrestling. Yeah, no, it's uh it's fun to have on, and I I, uh, I feel like the Peacock Network could probably set things up a little bit easier. Not exactly the the easiest thing to be trying to binge watch on there, but. What you gonna do? Um, my mom would not let me have a socket shirt. I don't think I even asked. It was like one of those things where I was like, I'm not even gonna like. This it's isn't worth asking. This is not. Imagine yet. if, imagine if your two buddies had the potato gun and you had the socket shirt, you'd all get suspended. So <laughs> thank you true. to Doug's mom for that one. Smart move. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, oh, well, I, one, I probably, one other thing that I have to say. Yeah. My this is not a, a me story, but my friend's mother-in-law, my friend Zach's mother-in-law. She said to him, she was like, did you know that The Rock started his career in wrestling? That's that's so so funny to me that like The Rock is such a big star that people don't know that he he was a wrestler. And then it's also like, well, how would he get the name The Rock? Like, where do you think that came from? Where did Barack Obama get his name, Doug? Same place. Did you know Barack Obama started as a wrestler? Wow, I did not know that. That's fascinating, though. He moved on to bigger things. What do you think about this yeah. debate while we're on the wrestling? It, this one, it tweaked me as a rock supporter, but I don't know that I could argue against it, that Dave Bautista has become the greatest wrestling actor in I Hollywood. I think I agree. I think I agree. Yeah. I think he, now, he's, he's funnier. I think he's definitely funnier, but he's also typecast, but so is The Rock. Yeah. The Rock is kind of typecast, at least like the – at least Batista. I, first of all, I was out on wrestling by the time Batista came around. Yeah, like, I, I think I was first introduced to Batista on like a, a video game that I bought, and like 2010, I was like, "Who the hell is this Batista guy?" Um, yeah. But at least like Dave Batista is typecast as like a character a with a personality that's funny, whereas The Rock. No offense, I'm not the biggest Rock guy, but The Rock. Uh, well, let me, the let Rock, me just throw this in. Yeah. I have seen all his movies. I love them all. All of them are bad, I'm pretty sure. Most of them are <laughs> right. bad. So don't get he, it twisted. He's kind of typecast as like a bland guy, like someone yeah. who's just... And like, that's the thing. I know that many people say this, but like, 
you can't really imagine the rock having like a love interest in a movie. And I feel mm. like that's tough as like a, a leading actor. Mm. Like, yeah. has there been a movie? Like, Cause I watched that jungle cruise movie and I just thought it was like yeah. him and Emily Blunt were just kind of awkward together. And yeah. And like, what was the, um, San Andreas? Didn't he have like a wife in that one or something? Isn't that a Grand Theft Auto game? I'm not familiar with the movie. Okay, San Andreas yeah. was like a was like an earthquake movie. I don't know. Yeah, oh, 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 Doug, that yeah. movie had more deaths in it than any movie ever. Eight billion people died in that skyscrapers fell over, but it's like, well, your four people here are still kicking. Right. The four people like, you care this about. Movie, this is freaking devastating. I, like eight billion people died in that movie. Anyways, great film. Saw it in IMAX, I'm pretty sure. He was funny uh, yeah. in the um uh, the one with Kevin Hart that was filmed in Massachusetts. Um, oh, the called? other, the other Central guys? Intelligence. No, Central. Central Intelligence. He was okay. he was in the other guys briefly, and he was funny yeah. in that. And he was funny in another one. Uh, I oh, Pain and Gain, the the one with uh, Mark Wahlberg. They were mm. all steroided up. Yeah. Um, kind of a ridiculous type, like big short type style film. But right. uh, yeah, Batista's funnier. I think his character in Guardians of the Galaxy was like a classic. And I don't yeah. know that Dwayne one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dwayne's what's his most iconic role? Mo- Maui. Uh, probably. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen any of the fast movies. I should, you haven't I seen should any of them. With. Oh, wow. I saw the first one and part of the second one. I saw the first one, like in theaters when it was, new. those are good to see in theaters, but he, but, but the rocks kind of like ruined that franchise now at this point. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, he's, the fights he's and beefing. Whatnot. He's beefing with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But, understanding. Um, yeah, Jumanji. He was probably comedic, but not funny. So you're right. And I yeah. saw Black Adam in theaters by myself on like a Tuesday at noon. Uh, normal guys do it all the time, but <laughs> I left the theater and I was like, "That was a movie." Yeah. It started. It one. had a middle. It ended. I didn't dislike it. I didn't like it. It happened. I have found and it's over. It, to your point, like you can't watch a rock movie at home like it, it just like you're not going to pay attention you're gonna be on your phone within five seconds Ooh, you have no, to see Bla- them in theaters no black adam is the ideal like saturday tnt four o'clock mm. you just end up you get home from like doing 12 things and right. it's 45 minutes in and you miss the start but you end up watching for like 30 40 minutes that's that's my black adam review you'll watch it for 40 minutes someday on tnt <laughs> fair i look forward to that all right well we should probably get out of here um this Should we? I thought we were just starting. This has been this has been the uh, the Rock Chat podcast. <laughs> this has been the Wrestling Chat podcast. This has been the Attitude Era podcast. Uh, not a Joe Judge been, podcast, though. This has not been the Joe Judge Chat podcast. But uh, keep it on. I don't know. Subscribe, rate, review. I I always say this too late in the podcast. Like, make sure to leave a review. Next time, I'm going to remember to say this at like 30 minutes in, or maybe like yeah. one minute in. Well, but Doug. We got five seconds. Who's in the Super Bowl? Because we'll talk uh, next time we talk. We'll know. Ooh. So who's in it? Um, five seconds. Five seconds. Bengals. Five seconds. Eagle. Yep. Bengals. 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 Forty Niners. Bengals. Forty I want to go that way, but I got to take the Eagles. Uh, the the McCaffrey not practicing yet is concerning me, and Debo a being bit. a little banged up. Uh, the Eagles scary, but a lot of pressure. They celebrated too much last week. We might have talked about that. So hmm. and who do you have? In Should the be AFC? some good games. I think the I, Mahomes' injuries. I mean, no, I know he's out there. Like, I'm not hurt, and I get right. it, and I respect it. But when he has to make a quick twitch movement, I'm worried about that. It's going to result in a pick or a bad play. Or I'm worried. I'm worried about it. I would take the Chiefs if not for that. 
but I like the All Bengals right. in their spot. Well, we'll see who's right. I've got Bengals 49ers. You've got Eagles Bengals. And yep. we'll see. All right. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye.